Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. All right. Well, I hope that you're having a a really good summer. It's been fun, uh, and I I love Facebook for this. It's been fun to watch a lot of you and on your, and we have some people, uh, some families even this week, just taking your adventures through the summer. Uh, we live in one of those areas of the country, man, that you can uh, go, go hiking, man, you can go, you can ski most of the year, you can, you can go to mountains and different trails, and so it has been fun to watch. I know we have people that literally have traveled across the country and are involved in a lot of different things. When I was in Florida, and kind of grew up in Florida, because uh, this is all new to me, this California's new. When, I, when we first moved here, I remember we would take little trips and I, we would just go down the highway and we'd come around bends and there would be mountains. And I'd be like, man, we never saw these in Florida. Because when I grew up in Florida, we had, you know, beautiful beaches and we had, uh, you know, some, some beautiful lakes. But the only mountains that we had were the just massive red ant hills in our backyard. There was no mountains, none of that. And so coming to California, that was new to me. As a kid, I mean, we, when, when you drove down the road, I mean, a hill to you was, I mean, there just, there wasn't much. When the first time that I can remember actually being on a mountain and being a part of that was my youth group. When I was about in seventh grade, my youth pastor, he took us to Tennessee and he took us to Tennessee and we were going to be doing some mountain rappelling and we were going to be doing uh, some whitewater rafting. And so I'm, again, growing up in Florida, never been a part of mountains. And so we, I remember getting there and we got to Tennessee and, and the first kind of thing we were going to do, we were going to do the mountain rappelling first. And so the morning that we were going to go, we went to this park and they did some training. They showed us how to use it, you know, kind of the, the different things you had to wear and kind of walked us through it. And then they took us to the mountain. And again, Florida boy doesn't know what a mountain even is. And so I'm in middle school. I'm kind of nervous about this thing, but because I'm a middle school boy, I have to play off my nervousness. And so I did. I played it off. And, and you know, you're looking at the mountain. You get out of the van. It's like, oh, man, that is up there. And I'm going to be laying over the side of that, walking down it. Okay. Again, trying to play it off. And, and then it was time to go up on the mountain. And so me and my, my youth group friends, we went up on the mountain and, and, uh, we got in a line and it was, you know, seven or eight of us. And then there was the, the guide, the guy that was there to teach us how to do it and make sure that we didn't die while we were doing it. And, and so I was, you know, six or seven people back. And, and you know how it is if you've ever been on a ride you're scared of, or if you've ever been kind of in line to do something that you're going to be a little nervous about, every person would go and I would take a step forward and it'd get more nervous and more nervous. And, and uh, then it was my turn. And so it was my turn. There was already some of my friends that were, you know, on the ground. They had done it. And so I got my friends behind me in line. They're chatting to me and they're telling me, coaching me up like, they've, like they're a mountain repeller. They've never done it either. Uh, and then I got people on the ground and they're, they're coaching me up. Oh, you can do it. It's, it won't hurt too bad if you fall. You know, da, 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 da. They're telling me all this stuff. I'm talking to myself like 
talking about, I don't want to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Maybe I will do it. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of this girl. Uh, you know, I'm talking to myself. And then the, the guide, he's talking to me. And I had to come to a spot where I had to decide which voice I was going to listen to. Because everybody was talking to me, including myself. And according to which voice I was going to listen to, it would really determine how this whole outcome was going to go. And so, obviously, I'm here. So I kind of tuned out, turned the volume down to my friends behind me, the professional repellers that had never done it before. I, I tuned out the people on the ground. I kind of tuned out myself and I listened to the guide because, man, I, I knew he kind of knew what he was doing. And, and because I did that, because I listened to his voice and I tuned out and kind of turned the volume down on the other voices, things turned out good. It went, I was still scared. I probably had a little pee down my leg by the end of the thing, but I had too much information, I know, but I was alive. I made it to the bottom. And it was all because, man, I, I, if I would have listened to other people on that mountain, it may not have gone well, but I decided my best bet was to listen to the guy that had done this and turn the volume down on the rest of the people that were speaking. And this principle it is very, uh, this is a very practical principle that we can apply in a lot more areas than a middle school boy on his first mountain repelling trip. And here's what I mean by that. We have voices and we have wisdom that is thrown at us from all different angles. And, and according to the voice that we choose to listen to, it really determines kind of how things go for us. And maybe we would say it this way. The voice you listen to will determine the path you walk. Let me, let me say that again. It's kind of a simple way to say it, but the voice you listen to will determine the path you walk. And, and whether you're a person of faith, maybe you're watching online, whether you're kind of investigating faith, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, we get this. We've seen this play out in our life. We've seen this play out in other people's lives. But, but here's the challenging thing in, in our society today, and you know this, there are so many voices. There are so many places where you can get wisdom, where you can get information. There are sources all over the place that you can go to to find out information. And so finding out and really narrowing down the voice to listen to is pretty important. And it determines the path you walk. And this issue of, of trying to listen to the right voices and taking the right wisdom is, is not a new issue. And it's something that James, all the way back when he wrote his letter that we've been walking through 2,000 years ago, it's a challenge that the people that he was writing to, that it was a challenge that they faced. It was something they had to think through as they tried to walk the right path, as they tried to walk a path that was healthy, when yet there were so many voices of wisdom or seemingly wisdom that were around them. And so here's what James does. As James writes about this, he, he kind of simplifies things and he, he kind of puts all the wisdom available into two buckets. He, he puts some of the wisdom that's available, he puts it into a bucket, just God's wisdom. And it's the source of God's wisdom is God. And he says, okay, there, there's a, a group of wisdom. There's a source of wisdom. There's an amount of wisdom. And and it's God's wisdom. And even if you're not a follower of Christ or you're not, not somebody that is, you know, faith, maybe you're skeptical of faith, you, would, you might say, okay, I could agree that, 
Yeah, there's some, some wisdom from God or a higher power. There's, there's a bucket of wisdom. And then he had another bucket that he put the rest of the, the information and, and wisdom that was available. And he said, it's the world's wisdom. So you have these two buckets. You have God's wisdom and the source of that wisdom is God. And then you have the world's wisdom and the source of that wisdom is the evil one or Satan. And so James, he, he, he puts the, the wisdom available into a couple buckets. And then he asks a question. In James chapter 3, he starts his discussion with this question. He says this. He says, who among you is wise and understanding? He says, who among you? And so who's he writing to? He's writing to Jewish Christians who have scattered all around the world because of persecution. He says, who among you is wise? This word wise is, is not a word for like information, but it's a word that describes how I take information I have and I apply it to real life. So who among you is wise and understanding? And basically the, the question James is asking, he's saying, hey, who's good at life among you? Like, like who has skill in living life successfully? Who among you is wise and understanding? And you, you, you have people like this. You, hopefully you are a person like this. But we all have people in our life who are not perfect. But they, over time, have made good decisions. And they have wisdom. And they just do life well. They, they, it, life doesn't go perfect. They have ups and downs. But in the midst of their ups and downs, they're at peace. Things aren't chaotic all the time. They just do life well. Lori and I, when we moved to Florida, we finished college and we came on staff with an organization called Word of Life and, and we were transferred to, to, live, to be in Florida, which is where I was from anyway. And, and uh, our boss in Florida was a guy by the name of Dave Van Camp and his wife was Jane. And Dave and Jane Van Camp were this type of person. They were people who were absurdly consistent. They just, they weren't flashy, but they just did life well. When you were over at their house, nothing was ever crazy or chaotic. They just made wise decisions financially. They made wise decisions with their family. They made wise decisions with their vacations. They just made wise decisions. And so when you were around them, there was just a consistency and they were just solid people that were just, they were, you just like to be around them. In fact, <laughs> We didn't love this all the time because of some of the things they told us we needed to do in our life. We, Lori and I, we were getting ready. Austin was about ready to be born. And we were living in this little apartment with a cat. And so we needed a bigger apartment. I mean, a little, little apartment. And so we started to look for different places to live. And we started to look even at some houses to buy. We had went out with a realtor for a few days. And man, we had a couple houses on our radar. And we were about to go out with the realtor a second time and kind of Maybe, maybe put an offer on one house. And then I talked to my Dave, my, my boss. Hey, I was so excited. Oh, we're about to go out and da 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 get a house. He's like, no, you're not. You, you, no, 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 no. Don't, don't go do that. You're, you're not ready for that. And I was, I was so mad at him because I knew he was right. I knew I financially wasn't ready. I knew he was consistent in his life. I knew he was good at life. But I was like, no, I want to make a bad decision. Let me make a bad decision. But, but he, he just was, he wouldn't let me. And, you know, you've heard this story. Maybe what's cool is about two weeks later, God gave us a free house to live in for a year. 
And so it was an answer. But, but you, you have some people like that who just, man, when, when you think of someone that's wise and understanding and good at life, you have some of those people. And, and James, he, he asks this question. He says, who among you is wise and understanding? Who among you is skilled at living life? And then what he does is he tells you a little bit more about that type of person. He says this. He says, that type of person, by his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. He says, this person who is wise and understanding, something that you should see in their life is you should see good conduct and, and their works, the things that they do, should be done with gentleness or humility. They're, they're not all about themselves. They're not all about making themselves great. They're all about serving other people. They're, they're not promoting themselves. He says, that's the type of person who is wise and understanding and skilled at life. Someone that's leaning into the bucket of wisdom that God provides. That's what describes that type of person. They're humble. They're meek. They're not, they don't self-promote. And it's because of the wisdom. It's a result of the wisdom. And here's what James, James is trying to press into this idea that the voice you listen to will determine the path you walk. Because if you've been with us over the last few weeks, one of the things that, that kind of James, a drum that James continues to beat is who you are determines how you live. So he, he uses fruit trees. He said, like an orange tree produces oranges. A grapevine produces grapes. Last week he talked about, hey, a, a Jesus follower talks like a Jesus follower. He says, in this case, a wise person lives a good life. That's characterized with humility. James is that type. He just, if you've been with us, you've seen it. He presses into the fact that if this is who you are, this is how it should affect your life. And if you're a wise and understanding person, a person who leans into God's wisdom, then some of the fruit in your life should be humility, meekness, gentleness. It's, it's what your life should be about not self-promotion. But then what he does is he, he kind of looks at the other bucket. He says, let, let me tell you a little bit about this other bucket of wisdom, this, the world's wisdom, and, and, and what describes a person that kind of leans into that. He says this, but if you have bitter envy, that word envy, jealousy is, is another word for it. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. This word bitter, it's the, it's the same word that would describe like undrinkable water. He says, if you have bitter jealousy in your heart, if you have bitter envy in your heart, if you, if, if you are selfish and you have selfish ambition, you're always trying to beat someone down so you can get ahead. There's always a rivalry that you're involved in. If, if, if you have that, he says, don't boast and deny the truth because here's what was happening. People were saying something that's really ugly isn't really ugly. People were, that were bitter and that were envious and that had selfish ambition were denying that it was even wrong. They, they were denying that selfish ambition and bitter envy 
was a bad thing and they were promoting it as if it was good. He says, you, you've lost reality on the truth. And, and here's the thing, you, you've experienced this. Some of you have been deeply hurt by this very thing. Because someone close to you started to listen to the world's voice and amidst the destruction and the chaos that that created, they lost sense of reality. And they started to celebrate their selfish decisions. And they started to convince other people that what they were doing that was so selfish and hurtful and destructive wasn't that big of a deal. And James is saying, this is the type of person that is leaning into that bucket of wisdom that is from the world. They're, they're known by their envy, their selfish ambition, and they, they pretend that is a good thing. And like I said, we've all experienced it. We've probably done that to other people when we've been leaning into the wrong wisdom. And, and what James does after he kind of describes it is he, he tells us the source of that type of wisdom. He says this. He says, such wisdom, this wisdom that is jealous and selfish, does not come down from above. It is not from God. He says, it's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. It's, it's the work of Satan. This, this wisdom that is selfish, that's envious, that's all about itself. As much as that person tries to make you think that they're okay and that what they're doing is not wrong and that they're actually doing a good thing, James is like, hello, that, that's not from God. Quit pretending that that's okay. That's actually from Satan. And you're like, James, dude, hold up, man. I mean, you, that's a little bit over the top, dude, to say that, man, from Satan. But here's James is saying, James is a straight shooter. He doesn't beat around the bush. He's not trying to pretend like there's a middle ground. He's like, no, there's, there's two sources of wisdom. And whichever one you lean into, there's fruit from it. Whether you like it or not, if you lean into God's wisdom, your life shows it. There's fruit. But if you lean into the world's wisdom, there's fruit. Your life shows it. And, and what James does is he, he finishes this section by pointing a little bit more specifically to, okay, what does that fruit look like? All right, if there's, this, there's God's wisdom and then there's this other wisdom that's from Satan, that's the world's wisdom, he says, let, let me tell you a little bit about the fruit from those, those trees. He says, where there's envy, so he's pointing to that world's wisdom, where there's envy, jealousy, where there's selfish ambition, where, where you're leaning into the world's way, you're trying to get ahead, you're... You're, you're not worried about other people. You're pushing them down so that you're, you're up front. When it's all about you, that type of wisdom, he says this. When you have that, the fruit is there's disorder and every evil practice. And, and here's what he's saying. This type of wisdom, here's what the fruit is. Disorder. This idea of confusion, instability, chaos. And he says, every evil practice, and he basically, what he's saying here is just good for nothing work. Like you're putting a lot of effort in for something that's not worth anything. He says, this type of wisdom leads to disorder, chaos, and, and, and somebody that maybe they're doing a lot of stuff, but nothing they're doing is matters. 
it's, it's worthless. And I don't have to give us illustrations of this because we can literally look in any area of life, look in business, look in politics, look in Hollywood, look in our own family trees, and look at people that have leaned into the world's wisdom. They've leaned into this idea of jealousy and envy and selfish ambition, and they clean it up. They make it look better than, than, than that, but, but you look at their life and you see chaos, you see disorder, you, it's just a mess, and they do a lot of stuff, but they really don't impact people for good. And James says, this is, this is that, that world's wisdom. This is leaning into that bucket. This is what that tree produces. Whether we like it or not, it's what it produces. And, and then he goes on and he says, let, let, me, let me finish up by telling you a little bit about this other bucket and, and kind of what this other bucket produces, this other wisdom. He says, but the wisdom from above, the wisdom where God is a source, is first pure. That word pure means holy. It's characterized by integrity. It's peace-loving. See, man's wisdom leads to rivalry. God's wisdom leads to peace. It's gentle. It's compliant. It's, it's that person that can disagree with you without being disagreeable. It's full of mercy and good fruit. So man's wisdom leaves us empty where God's wisdom is full of fruit in a fruitful life. It's unwavering and without pretense. And this idea of unwavering and without pretense, it's, it means this, to be sincere and decisive. And then he finishes up and he says this, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. James, from the beginning of his letter, he has tried to make clear, because here's what, remember, he's writing to Jewish Christians who are scattered all over the world, and he's trying to help them live out their faith and become spiritually mature through the ups and downs and craziness of life. And he knows that there's, source, there's so much different, so many sources of wisdom that are out there. There's so many voices. And here's what James knows. James has not always been a follower of Jesus. In fact, for a lot of James's life, he thought Jesus, his brother, was a lunatic. He wasn't leaning into his brother's wisdom. He wasn't leaning into God's wisdom. And he knew what the fruit of that life was. But then he also knew after he saw his brother resurrected from the dead, he embraced his brother's message of salvation. And he began to lean into the wisdom of God. And he understood what that was like as well. And so what his, his goal is, is he wants his readers to understand that the voice you listen to will determine the path you walk because James had experienced both and he had seen people that he loved dearly experience both and he had seen the fruit of both types of life he had seen the destruction of one kind and he had seen the fruit and the good of another kind and he wanted to make it clear he wanted to tell these people this he wanted them to understand this which leads us to a pretty obvious and, and maybe kind of personal question and here it is what type of wisdom are you listening to if you're watching online? And this is like, let's be honest with yourself. What type of wisdom do you find yourself 
listening to. Because God's wisdom and the world's wisdom are both out there, and they're both trying to get your attention. In fact, several hundred years before James penned his letter, King Solomon wrote some of the Proverbs, and he talked about this. He talked about how there were two voices that were on purpose trying to get the attention of people. He called God's voice wisdom, and he called the world's voice folly. And here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 9. He says, wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her female servants. She calls from the highest points of the city. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here to the one who lacks sense, she says. She, she calls out. Solomon's saying, hey, wisdom is out there, and, and wisdom is calling out and inviting you in. But then he says this. He says, there's another voice, folly. Folly is a rowdy woman. She's a, she is gullible and knows nothing. What do you really think, Solomon? She sits by the doorway of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling to those who pass by, who go straight ahead on their paths. Whoever is inexperienced, enter here. See, both types of wisdom are available. And, and both types of wisdom seem to offer some of the same things on the surface. Both seem attractive on the surface. And and they're both at the very same time. They're calling. They're trying to get your attention. Just like they're trying to get my attention. Which brings us back to our question. What type of wisdom are you listening to? And, And here's the thing. This shouldn't be a real tough question. So you shouldn't have to sit there and like, oh, I'm not really sure, I, uh, let me think. It, this shouldn't be a hard question, and here's why. The fruit of your life will tell the story. Just look at your life. Look at your life, and that will answer the question. Because there's two distinct voices, and both voices, whichever one we listen to, come with a distinct set of fruit or benefits, or that there's two results. And so when I listen to the world's wisdom, man, James, and, and we'll talk about it in a he, he lists out some of the things that happen, some of the fruit. Proverbs, if you read through Proverbs, man, it, it, all through Proverbs, it tells you, hey, here's what happens if you listen to this voice, and here's what happens if you listen to that voice. And so what type of wisdom are you listening to? Just, just look at your life. Here's what James says. He, he, it's not an exhaustive list, but... As he describes the world's wisdom, here's some of the things that he says are, man, just kind of products of that. Whether it's not whether we like it or not, good or bad, this is just what it is. The world's wisdom, it leads to instability, lack of clarity, a life that, that really doesn't produce fruit that matters. You know, there might be a busy, it might be a busy person, but as far as in the light of eternity, not a lot of the, the, the busyness is leading to something that's going to matter. And that's the wisdom. And, and this isn't just like, this isn't just preacher talk. This is like, like, we could all point to our lives or other people's lives and be like, yeah, yeah, we have a lot of illustrations of this. 
this, is, this is not hard to convince someone of because we have so many illustrations of this exact thing. Some of our testimonies. We, we could tell parts of our life when it's like, yep, that's me. That was me. I, I lived that out. But then James, he talks a little bit about God's wisdom. And he says this as he talks about the fruit of God's wisdom. He says, that wisdom brings sincerity, a, a lack of fakeness is, is maybe the way to say it, decisiveness. It's not like a constantly confused and chaotic, but there's a, a decisiveness when, when God's wisdom is listened to. And a life where peace and fruit flourish. And it doesn't mean that life goes great all the time. It doesn't mean that, that everything... In fact, Dave and Jane Van Camp, the family I told you about, their daughter had cancer when she was in seventh grade. So it's not like, a hey, you'd listen to God's wisdom. Everything goes perfect all your life. But in the midst of all the ups and downs of life, there's a decisiveness, there's a sincerity, there's a peace, there's a, a fruitful life. And so the, the question we have to continue to ask is, hey, what type of wisdom am I listening to? And, and, and no matter where you are as it relates to faith, whether you're online or whether you're here, no matter where you are as it relates to faith, faith I'm going to assume that you get the relationship between the voice you listen to and the effects on the direction of your life. I, I'm going to just assume that I don't have to convince you of that. That no matter where you are as it relates to faith, that we all get that the voices that I listen to and the direction of my life, they, they determine, one determines the other. We, I think we all get that no matter if we're a follower of Jesus or not. We all get that. It's why we tell our kids, hey, your friends, you got to have the right friends. We, we get that. And so we, with us having that knowledge, here's what I want to ask you to think about. Imagine, just imagine, I'm not even asking you to sign on the dotted line yet, but just imagine with me what your life would look like if you made God's voice and his wisdom the voice you listen to. Just, just imagine if you were to say, you know what, I'm going to lean into God's wisdom, his ways. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life based on that, that wisdom. What would your life look like? I mean, just think, think about different areas. Think about your marriage or maybe your dating relationship. If you were really to lean into that, how would that, would it change your marriage? What about your finances? If you were to lean into God's wisdom and really just own it, would it affect your finances? What about your level of anxiety? What about your, maybe your parenting? What about how you handle conflict and the challenges of life? Just what would your life look like if you were to say, hey, I'm going to turn my back on the world's wisdom. I know the fruit of that life, and I'm going to lean into God's wisdom. How would that affect your life? How would it change those areas? Maybe you're there, you're watching online, you say, Chris, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get the voice you listen to. It determines the path. I get that. But Chris, if I'm honest, man, I, I've been listening to some of the wrong voices. I've been listening to some of the wrong voices. And man, how would I even go about changing? I mean, if I wanted to, I'm, Chris, I'm not even telling you I'm going to buy into that yet. But if, if I wanted to buy into God's wisdom and I wanted to make God's wisdom the voice I was going to listen to and kind of live my life by and let direct my life, what, what would that look like? What would I need to do?
Well, it's pretty simple, honestly. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's not easy, if that makes sense. One thing you might do is turn down the volume on the world's wisdom. I mean, it's, again, not, you're, not a super impressive answer. But, but turn down the volume of the world's wisdom. Just, just think about your media consumption. Music, social media, news, a bunch of different places. Just turn down the volume on the world's wisdom. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's changing out some of the friends that we hang out with. I was talking to a guy this past week, a good friend of mine. And he, he and I were talking about another guy that we both care deeply about. And, and here's what he said to me. He said, man, when this guy is around the right people, he's doing great. But he's not around the right people now, so he's not doing great. And it's, it, it's, it's, if, if I'm going to lean into God's wisdom, it means I've got to turn down the volume on the wrong people. I've got to turn down the volume on the, all the consumption, the media that I'm taking in that's just not God's wisdom. And then the second thing, again, not going to be super impressed with this, turn up the volume on God's wisdom. So, so we turn down the volume on man's wisdom or the world's wisdom, and we turn up the volume on God's wisdom. And how do we do that? Man, we, we open God's word. We, we spend some time in God's word, taking in his wisdom on a regular basis. We, we, we spend time with people who are walking with God, who will, when they speak and when they influence us, they're going to influence us with God's wisdom. And, and then we ch- change our media out a little bit, and we, man, there's a lot of great media, a lot of great things we can listen to and lean into that are out there that will give us God's wisdom. We turn the volume up on those while we turn the volume down on the world's wisdom. Let, let me close with this. And if you've been around me much, you, you know I, I, I think about the future a lot. I think about the future maybe too much. But I want to ask you for a second, if you're online, do this with me, to think about the future. I want you to go with me five years from now. Maybe go with me ten years from now. Maybe go with me 25, but but go out into the future. And I want you to look back at your life. And I want you to answer this question. What do you see? Do you see healthy fruit? Do you see meaningful relationships? Do you see accomplishments that matter for eternity? Or when you look back 5, 10, 25 years from now, do you see chaos? Do you see instability? Do you see a lot of hurt people? Do you see a lot of activity that never seemed to accomplish anything of purpose? Go with me. 5, 10, 25 years. Look back. You may not love what you see. You may be disappointed with what you see. But you shouldn't be surprised by what you see. 
Because the voice you listen to will determine the path you walk. So if you look back and you see chaos, you see a a destroyed family, you see finances that are crazy, you just see a train wreck of a life, you might not like it. I might not like it. I might be disappointed. I might wish it was different. But I shouldn't be surprised. Because the voice I'm listening to today will determine the path I walk and it will determine the fruit of my life. And so the question is, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice am I listening to? Because they're both loud voices and they're both calling for you. You have to determine which one you turn down and which one you turn up. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're watching online, just in the quietness maybe of your living room or your front porch, wherever you're watching, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast. Just in the quietness of this room, if you're here with us, who are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? And here's my question for you. If you would say, if you would have courage enough to be honest and say, you know what, I'm not listening to the right voice. Here's my, here's my question. What one step can you take today to turn down the volume on man's wisdom and turn up the volume on God's wisdom? What can you do? One thing. It's, it's changing out a friend group. It's changing out some media consumption. Maybe it's, it's making that decision to, you know what, I, I know God's word's good for me and I'm going to Man, me and my wife or me and my girlfriend, we're going we're gonna to start to read the scriptures together. We're, we're going to turn the volume up on God's wisdom. What, what one step can you take to turn down the volume on the world's wisdom and turn up the volume on God's wisdom? Maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, man, I'm not a follower of Jesus. You're, you're watching online and, you, and you'd say, man, I've, I've never stepped over the line of faith. I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Well, really the first step that, that you would want to take as you try to listen to the right voice is, is taking that first step to become a follower of Jesus. You don't have to have all the Bible figured out. You don't have to understand everything about it. But here's the thing. Do you believe that you have sinned, that you've disobeyed God? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for that sin? And are you willing today, whether you're online or you're here this morning, to say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to make me new on the inside. If that's you, if you're here and you'd say, Chris, I, I want to do that. Then just in the quietness of this room or wherever ever you're watching this, you can do that. You can do that by just talking to God. Just your heart to God's heart. We call that praying. It's when we tell God what's on our heart. Just in the quietness of your heart, just tell God, God, I admit to you that I have sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've tried to do things my way. Just tell him. And then just tell him, God, I I believe. I believe that 
Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And then just invite Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. I want a relationship with you. Just tell Jesus. If you're here this morning and you you made that decision, or maybe you have questions about that decision, right in front of you there's a, a card that says decision on it. And I just want you, man, if you wouldn't mind, just fill that card out and you take it to Pastor Steve at the Next Steps table. And man, if you have questions or if you made a decision for Jesus, man, we just want to celebrate with you. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card there and you just fill that out. We'll get in contact with you. CityWalk, when you walk out these doors, there's going to be two voices calling for you. And if you listen to those voices, both of them will have fruit that will impact your life. My question for you is, which one are you going to listen to? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that that you give us wisdom, that you provide wisdom, and that you you tell us what the fruit of that life will be. And God, I, I pray for husbands and wives and young men and young women and older men and older women. I pray that we would be courageous enough to turn down the volume on the world's wisdom and turn up the volume on your wisdom. And Lord, may that decision impact us for generations. In Jesus' name, amen.